Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. All right, welcome back, everyone. We are here for another episode of Brazen Education. And today I have a special guest, Dr. Stephen Jones. He has many titles. He's an author of several books, which we'll get into later in the show. Um, he's an engineer, dean of students for Villanova University, associate pastor. Uh, Dr. Stephen Jones, welcome to the show, and thanks for um, coming on today. Well, I greatly, greatly appreciate the opportunity. And today we're going to be talking about how parents can help their children pursue academic excellence. One of the uh, many skills that Dr. Jones has is been able to meet with parents and talk to parents about how they can help their uh, children pursue academic excellence. And one of the first things I want to talk about, Dr. Jones, is if I'm a parent, and I everyone knows I am a parent, I'm a parent of identical twin boys who are in the fourth grade, how do I go about figuring out what the goals should be for my child? Yeah, you know, one of the things, so I have two children myself, but they're more adult children. And um, all children learn, children learn in different ways. Even if you have twins, one's going to learn one way, one's going to learn another way. And you as a parent have to be flexible to love them where they're at, to meet them where they're at, to provide in a creative environment for the different types of learning styles. There's several different types of learning styles. There's one, there's a visual learner. That's that child that can look at things and they can get it right away just by the visuals. That that child with, with watching a YouTube video or uh, any kind of video that will, they're visual, they, they see it, they need. And then there's the auditory. The auditory are those that like to touch things and create it. My son, he definitely, was more of that, you know, touch things, feel things out. Um, and, the, and, and also uh, the, the learners that actually are creative and they, they need to build things and, and they need to work with other children. Uh, those are those, those individuals. The, the auditory learners, again, uh, also hearing. They like to hear it. Like, you know, that child that can hear it and they can tell you back, all the things that you they said to you, that's that's that child that's auditory. So knowing the you know the different learning styles, a child that's textile, uh, tactile, that really has uh, great skills. A lot of my civil engineers, they were tactile. You could see them as children using their hands, creating things. Using they may become carpenters. Um, that's that child. So just learning the different types of styles helps you with uh, each, each child and helps you to present different ways to learn to that child. So once I, as a parent, realize like how my child learns, what, did, what is the next step? So I know that my child, like both of my boys are really into STEM. So since they've been four, they have gone to an organization called the STEM Connection in Indianapolis, and they have learned different things about STEM. They've learned about food scientists, they learn about biology, the ecosystem. Um, they've learned things about energy. They've learned things about being out in this, the earth. Um, so that's one thing I did. But again, it's, I don't know this the next step. So I know how, if I understand how my child learns, 
what do I do next? Do I connect with a school? Do I try to connect with an organization? What should be my next step after I learn like my child's learning style? Exactly. So you're right. I mean, I, I love these after school programs and Saturday programs as different types of exposures that young people can get. Um, there's a program called Girls That Code. So for that child that just has a creative mind, they can get engaged with coding. Um, there are programs that happen, uh, First Tech Challenge, um, there's First Lego League. There's just like so many different programs that are out there. And for that child that is um, that likes to write, maybe would like to write their own book. Uh, we In Philadelphia, we actually have something called Mighty Writers. And that whole thing is to get children writing and reading. And a lot of times it's just as a parent, taking the time to do the investigation and also asking other parents, because sometimes other parents know things that are going on, but you know, you're not having conversations with, with them. And also really take advantage of the school counselor. Um, the school counselor often has a lot of resources, um, but parents don't call them to ask them for opportunities that may be available. So I think that that's like taking the initiative. And it's hard because you're, you have, you're working as a parent, you are, um, you know, running around for maybe different types of sporting events. But, it, but that additional time that you set aside to really understand your child will enable them to be really effective as a learner. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. If you know the learning styles, that will help you to help that child to learn even better. How much time do you think a parent should devote to this? So if I have my busy week, I have my nine to five, and you're saying, oh, you got to pay attention and see what your child is doing. What does that look like? Is that time after dinner, time or after school? Like, how exactly do parents fit that in, especially if you're a parent that could be working more than one job or if it's a single uh, family household? How do they squeeze that time in? Mm -hmm. um, it, I'll just, again, speak for myself. You know, having that having that family schedule, one of the things that we uh, really did is we had a big calendar um, on our refrigerator and we put all the events and activities that were going on for the week. And in looking at that from a visual standpoint, then we could figure out, okay, here's where I can put in a time slot to do you know, my research or to call up a school or to do some investigation. But it's, you do have to set aside some time. It may be 15, 20 minutes or it may be while you're you're uh, waiting for your child to get out of their soccer event or their football you know, program or dance, whatever it might be, that you set aside a little of that time to do some of your investigation while they're while they're out of the house. Because a lot of times they're you know when children are in the house they're going to come, and that's been the challenge of COVID nineteen. <laughs> they're going to come to you every so many seconds to disrupt you from getting things done. Uh, sometimes you have to again. I tell you, one of the things I would do is also take a, a, a nap. Uh, as I say, my child, my children are going to sleep at eight o'clock. These are younger children. I might nap for a couple of hours and then get up and do something and then, you know, go back to sleep a little bit later. When I was when I was working in my doctor's degree, that's how I did it. I made sure I got them to bed, took some rest and then got up and did some writing. So it, it takes a lot of creativity. It takes a lot of creativity. Um, but once you get into us into a program, then you're usually in the flow because many of the programs will last or come around every year at the same time. I have programs myself. I have a, a Saturday Academy for high school students, um, generally the ninth grade through 12th grade on at the university. And then I also have a summer program. And so, you know, that's all, all part of the schedule 
as well for uh, for parents. I like what you said about the schedule because I know I've, I've almost been, this year I'll be married for 15 years and like we have to literally schedule a date night because if you like don't put it down, it doesn't happen. And so when you think about scheduling things just for relationship purposes, you also have to schedule things for your kids. And, and like we schedule things for our kids, right? We may schedule them to be in sports. We may schedule them, you know, oh, they're going to the movies with their friends. But I think sometimes we don't think about the fact if we want our children to reach an academic goal, whether that's going to trade school, whether that's going to college, whether that's enlisting into the military, we really have to take that time to sit down and say, if I think this is a path my child wants to go on, I actually have to sit down and like put it on my calendar that today when it's been 30 minutes, researching a program or maybe i'm calling up a neighbor to say hey what is your kid in i into what program are they into so i really like uh that we kind of already started talking about this but how can families connect to other organizations that's already out there um, community groups where there's churches organizations the school because i know I feel like most parents know like the teacher is a resource, but I think sometimes people don't think about like even when your child's in elementary school, you can call the school counselor and say, my kid is interested in this. Are there any programs that you know about? So can you talk a little bit about how parents can go about navigating, getting more information out there? Because there's so much information. And then how do you bet? Like, if is this a good program? Because I had my kids they did a few STEM programs and some of them weren't like really good. So how do I kind of investigate what's really good uh, for my kids? Yeah, so um, one, one suggestion that I have for that is if you, you know, you're talking to the person that runs the program and you know, ask them if you could talk with one of the parents who already has their children in the program, you would just want to get a feel for the program and how it flows and they are, other parents are good resources to give you a sense for what the possibilities are um, with that, that particular program or what things they, they feel are going right or what things are challenging about the program. It's like when we, when we have um, students to our campus, you know, we, want, we have our students that, well, these are high school students coming to our campus, but we have our students give the tours because we want our students to tell the stories of what their true experiences are like as well. So I think it's really important to, um, to make those connections. Also, um, well, now we're in the age of going, you know, go and search Google, but you can actually, there are actually program reviews on Google. So put the name of the program in and then put in uh, the name of that program and then review. And a lot of times they'll come up with you know, they'll have a certain number of stars or people will give comments on the organization as well. And uh, just as it relates to the school, you know, the, typically the school has certain programs that your counselors are referring uh, the students to um, throughout the year. And I, I would say it's still important to do your own investigation. Don't just rely on, on that uh, on um, because it may work for one child, but not work for your child. That's the other part. And again, knowing your child's um, interest, it, it may be different for them. So just doing that investigation. And, and that's great. So as I said earlier, there's like what people think of as three different, well, 
enrollment, enroll into university, enlistment, or employment, right? And so thinking about those different paths, let's talk about like the path of college. Um, because in schools, you hear a lot in the K-12 setting, you know, we want kids to be career and college ready. So if you're thinking about a child whose parents feel like they're going to go to university, whether that's two-year community college, four-year college, what are the steps that parents really need to take to ensure that their kid is actually ready for college and able to pursue that academic excellence? Well, one of the steps that I would say is critical is that a parent should not wait until they're in high school to begin college exploration. Like we knew when our, when our children were born that at some point that they would be going to college and we were setting up the framework, the experiences, the um, you know, the education so that they could be prepared to go to college. So I, I say to, to the parents, it starts at, as soon as they're born, you should be thinking about you know, how, what kind of education, what kind of opportunities you're providing for them uh, all along the pathway. And then when they get to middle school, sometimes students can get off track in middle school in terms of their interest. Um, so I say to parents, really work with them and having them write down what are some of the things that they're interested in and try to give them different types of exposures uh, on a college campus because there are programs for middle school students on a college campus. And there's just excitement in that. It's the, the excitement of, a, of saying to another child, I've been on this campus for programs. And, and then that bridges the whole uh, idea of then going to high school and understanding that in high school, I'm gonna have to achieve high, at high levels you know, A's and B's in order to select, be selected for the college of my choice. This year has been really strange in terms of uh, how students are admitted. A lot of the colleges have decided not to use the SAT as a sole standard of the potential of a student to be successful. And uh, they're looking more so at the grades, they're looking at the high school and the patterns of, of students that come from a particular high school. And then also um, the kinds of volunteerism activities that they've been engaged in. And it's interesting to me because I have run in the past a program for low-income first-generation college students, and we did not use the SAT as a sole measure of whether the students could potentially be successful. We used their grades, their class rank, and other kinds of and, and activities they were involved in, their college essay. That helped us to make the decision. And we were graduating at a, even at a higher rate as a percentage of the students that we serve. So it, it's all about making sure I'm going to step back. All the steps involved, you know, getting your child the best education, making sure that you're partnered with the teachers all along the pathway. Another thing I'll say is a lot of times parents, when their children get to high school, they stop interacting with parent, the uh, teachers, thinking that the teachers uh, will handle it and they'll deal with the, the children's grade. You as a parent that has a child in high school should be just as involved as you were when they were in middle school and elementary school. Um, that's an absolute way to get a lot of support from the teachers, from the counselors, and from the principal, the leaders of the school, because they know that you're engaged with that school as well. I like the point about middle school because a lot of times we think about college campus experiences in high school. You know, in high school, there's a lot around oh, you need to sign up for this college vision to figure out what college you're going to. But many times parents don't think about the fact that there are opportunities when the kids are in middle school to actually go 
to campuses. So let's think about elementary school. I'm an elementary school parent, and you said I need to start getting the ready elementary school. Like, what in the world am I doing with my elementary school kids to get them on the path to go to college later on? Like, what things would I be doing? Okay, so it kind of goes back to reading, rap, reading, math, and, and uh, writing that those are, are fundamental skills that you wanna get your child operating at a high level. And they've done some research and the research search says that the more that a child reads, the better they'll do later on in schools. So having books everywhere a child goes, in the car, we, wherever you are, there's an opportunity. And, and you as a parent have to do some reading as well. They need to see you reading. So you're laying the foundation for their, um, their, both their math skills their reading skills, their comprehension skills, all that is established early and it can make their transition as they go out of elementary school to middle school a lot smoother that they, they have a better foundation. There are a number of, uh, again, looking for programs and resources. One of the, the resources that I use is really um, fun, has a lot of activities, is Pinterest. Pinterest is an app that has all kinds of pins of activities that you can do with your children. There's uh, one, one I would recommend to everybody, it's called STEMfinity. And STEMfinity has a whole lot of science projects and activities that you can do with your child. It's, you can both get a catalog and you can also go on the website and you can do projects forever. So that's the other thing I would say in terms of learning, you as a parent are part of the teaching team, um, not, not, not just relying on the teacher, but finding out and uncovering from teacher, how can you support them and what kind of additional experiences that you can give your child as well? I like that phrase, part of the teaching team, because we always talk about that parents are the children's first teacher and we should have that school parent relationship. But I think when life you know, is going on, sometimes we forget like the active role we have in teaching and we can like be role models and say, because it's easy to say, read your book, Johnny, but Johnny never sees you read. Like, what motivation do I have to read? What motivation do I have to believe that you want me to read because I don't see you reading? Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's great because I've been a teacher um, in education for 15 years now. And so I've seen kids when they get to middle school, and I mostly have worked in middle schools, and they don't have those foundational skills, they, they struggle. They really do struggle. And they're trying to play catch up because once you go to high school, there's no like getting past. You have to earn your credits. And those, like you said, the rank of the class now, the SATs aren't the end all be all now. The other factors that are in place, like what is your rank? What is your GPA? What type of classes uh, did you uh, take? And so speaking of classes, if I'm in high school and I want to go to college, what are some key classes or math level classes or English classes that you would expect a student to have taken if they're uh, going to pursue college? Yes. Okay. So I'm a little bit biased since I work with engineering students. So I'm going to start there and then I'm going to back out of that. Um, so uh, the more math that a student has, the greater the likelihood that they actually graduate from college. So those students who are able to achieve um, at a level where they're actually able to take a calculus class. They've shown some research that 
those students graduate at an even higher rate. So you want to, there's the discipline of mathematics, the problem solving, the process that you learn in doing math that translates to all other kinds of things, other kinds of classes, whether you're taking biology, which is one of the classes I would suggest you, you're getting ready to go to college. Uh, chemistry would be another. Any kind of writing class that you might have, there's some fundamental English classes that I'm sure you're gonna to have to take in high school, history classes um, that you're gonna to have to take in high school. If you're interested in the sciences, I recommend everyone should take, try to take physics uh, it's, if it's available. And I wanna share with you about advanced placement classes as well. My, we didn't find out about advanced placement classes until our children were in middle school, but a lot of other parents knew about advanced placement classes because they had family and friends who had taken some of these advanced placement classes. So uh, advanced placement classes, almost like a college level class that a student is taking at their high school. And they take this class throughout the year. It's, it can be in a number of different topics depending on the school that you participate in. Um, but they are really challenging that your child will spend a lot more hours on that class. But the result of it is it's kind of using their mental muscles so that when they get to college, they've already had an experience at that higher level. The great thing about an advanced placement class is that if you pass it generally with a four, there's a test that you take at the end, usually around May. And if you pass that test with a four or a five, those courses are transferable to college. So you, those are credits that your child will not have to take when they get to college. They can either take higher level classes. Um, they could decide for themselves whether they still want to take that, that Calc 1 class or that, um, that English class. But it gives them more flexibility in their schedule and they can do more because they have that types of exposure. So all those things. And today I would also say if, there, if your school offers a computer class, um, that it would be great to take the, that class as well because so much is driven by computers today. I, uh, all the assignments that professors are doing are, you know, require computer programs um, that you can use. So it'd be great for a child to have that kind of course while they're in high school as well. Yeah, and I think the key to AP classes is the fact that you're not paying to take them when you go to college. And I think sometimes parents miss the, the fact that if my kid takes this class and they get the four or five on that test at the end of the year, then that's, a, that's one class I'm not paying tuition for. And our hope would be, you know, the child will get some type of scholarships or some type of support. That's like the ultimate parent-child principle. Yeah, but you make a good point because many times parents aren't aware of these other classes because of the systems inside of the school. You know, it could be teacher recommendation for the child to go to that class or the child goes to the counselor and they're doing schedules and the counselor, you know, the counsel, a lot of counselors have huge caseloads. So they don't know much about the kid. And if the kid doesn't come to the session to say, I want to take these courses, the counselor typically has like a general form that they're, they're working off of. So I think it's important for parents to ask schools, are there advanced placement classes? If so, what are the classes? What type of science classes? Because unfortunately we know that in some schools they don't have certain classes. Now I know my husband took physics. My husband um, is a computer science major and he took physics. I did not, I took chemistry, biology and marine <laughs> biology, but okay. not, I didn't mess with physics. 
But I think it's important because when I got to college, even though I was an English education major, there are skills I think we forget that you get for the sciences that are applicable to any other field, even if it's the how you use your mind and that creative thinking and that problem solving. And so I wanted to just throw that out there because I know you were saying you were kind of biased, but I think sometimes people forget that even if, even though you felt like you gave biased information, it is applicable to kids who are in other fields because the skill sets are there. And so one path is clearly uh, college. How do students in your mind uh, set themselves up to be able to get scholarships? Because we know scholarships are super competitive and um, so like in Indiana, in Indiana, we have a thing called the 21st Century Scholars Program. Now, the catch to this program is students have to enroll in seventh and eighth grade. And it's based on like their parents' income. But if they miss that window in seventh and eighth grade, they can't enroll when they get to high school. Because the, how the program works, nine through 12, you have to keep a certain GPA, which I believe is a 2.5, uh, not get in trouble with the law and do some other things. And essentially the state pays for your tuition. But the gap is some parents in Indiana don't realize that they have missed an opportunity for free college. So that's like one scholarship that's offered in Indiana but there are parents who may make a little bit too much for their parents, their kids don't qualify for some of those grant opportunities. So if I'm a parent and I'm saying, I see my kid is on the path to college, my kid is taking the right classes, they're doing the right thing, how do I go about preparing them for A, finding the right scholarships and then being successful in these, this scholarship pursuit? Good question. I, I would say don't wait until senior year to start to start looking for scholarships. When your child is in ninth grade, you can start gathering information about scholarships. Some of the high schools actually have um, sessions where they invite the state financial aid office um, or a local financial aid person from a, from one of the colleges to come to the high school to talk about financial aid and scholarships and different resources. So don't wait until the senior year start gathering that information. I, I suggest that you actually have a binder and that you're putting all this information as you gather it over the years. So there's one place where they can come and find it. And um, just getting in the habit of both you and your child as a partner gathering this information to put into one place. And you also can uh, have a folder on your computer where you put scholarship information and scholarship websites. You might want to have a Word document where you're putting links to certain types of scholarships in that folder so that when it's time to actually do the scholarship search, you have a process in place to actually uh, submit those applications and you have a timeline in place. And that would be my next suggestion is to develop a timeline beginning with the sophomore year of when these scholarships are due so that you know that way ahead of time, I'm going to get these things in. Don't have a deadline on the deadline date. Have a deadline before the deadline date so that you, even if something comes up, you can still get it in on time. I've seen students miss thousands upon thousands of dollars that they were actually eligible for, but they missed the deadline because they were waiting to the last minute. And um, there's over $90 billion in scholarships out there. Not all of them you know, are based on a, a, child, a child's parents' Um, income. Sometimes it's just their own merit, their own activities that they're engaged in. 
sometimes there's little competitions that you can enter in to gain money. So there's there's money out there. It's just a matter of each family setting aside specific time. And this I, I, I say this um, knowing that this is how I when I work with students, that's how this is how they got uh, the opportunity to get the money is they had a every week on a Sunday evening, Saturday morning, whatever that day is for an hour is scholarship time. And you and, you know, there are times where you and the parent are working together on those scholarships and those letters that need to be done. And as you submit, the more that you're submitting, the more you're increasing the chances that you'll actually earn those scholarships. Another thing that happens is the, uh, the students will get a rejection letter from a scholarship and then they'll say to the parents, see, I told you I wasn't going to win any money. Well, you can't expect just by submitting one application, you have to submit several. You have to submit them on an ongoing basis. And what that's going to also do is you're going to now have some letters that you've written because most of them ask questions like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Why do you deserve the scholarship? Well, you're going to have a folder with some of the answers in that folder. So it makes it easier the next time that you have to submit a scholarship because you've already written the letters that they're likely to ask you. And, and there are also, um, as you know, I wrote a book about scholarships, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but also, um, there are some videos on YouTube where some uh, young women have won scholarships. So it's great to go on there and get some ideas of scholarships. And, and parents, look on your own job. Sometimes there are scholarships offered at a person's particular place of employment, and they missed out on the, on the deadline on their own job. So, um, so now that's what I'm saying. If you start doing this uh, from the ninth grade and start doing your search, you won't be pressured at the end to get the scholarship applications in because you already have a timeline. No, it kind of goes back to where we started about that calendar, having the schedule in place to say, this is what I'm going to do this. And because I'm a writer, I that whole rejection thing, it stings. And you're like, man, but the good thing about it, you have what you wrote before. So you're yeah. like, okay, I got rejected. Let me look at what, how I answer these questions. How could I tighten this up? How could I improve my response? And also it gets our, our children who are getting ready to go into adulthood prepared for these type of experiences because as you go to college, you know, that you hear a lot, it's the real world now. But, you know, I, I find that kind of odd. I'm like, it's, I'm living in the real world before college. So <laughs> this gives them that opportunity to experience that. And then, you know, it helps them make decisions. I was born in Indiana. Or I was like, I'm leaving this state and I was going to leave. And I told my dad. Then my dad said, well, I earned the Purple Heart and whatever state, if I reside in, that's the state where you can get free tuition. And that had me to apply to Purdue University. And that's where I went to school um, mm -hmm. because it paid for my tuition. And so sometimes just having that type of information or looking into the fact that your parents were in the military, because I had no clue, like I had an opportunity. I had already planned I was leaving the state. I had already, and my dad's like, well, I, I can't cover out-of-state tuition. Right. So I was like, do I have loans or do I find another college in the state <laughs> where I can learn what I want to learn? So I think it's important for, and it gives students the opportunity to really talk to their parents, to have these conversations. If I choose this or if I don't get a scholarship, what how much debt might i incur you know maybe i'll look at this other college okay i can study this at this college and this a uh, little bit less than the cost so it really helps 
your and I like how you said about getting the student involved in the process because as a parent, I shouldn't be more invested in you than you are invested in you. So I think that's uh, important. So the other path that students could take is pursuing a trade. Um, I know a little bit about that because my dad did a skilled trade. So that's what he did his whole career. And what's funny, I tell people all the time, I said, my dad has made way more money in his career than I have ever gotten to. And he had a skilled trade. And when my dad, and most people know my dad passed away earlier this year, but the thing my dad used to tell me, Shantae, when I leave work, I'm done. <laughs> and so sometimes people knock skilled trades. Oh, that's hourly work. You know, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, you can live a very successful, happy life doing the skilled trades. So if you see that you have a child um, that is going on that path, what things does, uh, should a parent do to help their child on the path if skilled trades is the path they're going to pursue? Yeah, um, so I want to talk about Pennsylvania. We actually have some, I would call them post-secondary trade schools. Um, they're actual colleges that have more of those types of um, training and tech programs, training and manufacturing, training and um, you actually have a, one that is a trade school. You get a degree, uh, you, you learn electrical engineering, uh, electrical um, electricity, um, become an electrician. Uh, you can learn how to be a carpenter. You can learn how to work with uh, HVAC systems, you know, air conditioning and heating systems. Um, uh, a few months ago, we had an issue with our refrigerator and uh, there was a young man that came to the house to repair the refrigerator. I was so excited to see him as a young person repairing these refrigerators because that's a skill set that, you know, that we need. And um, homes, you know, there are certain types of things that especially with this whole global warming experience that we're having and the heat, uh, there are a lot of air conditioning problems. So we're going to need more of these people, not less of the individuals who can do something who enjoy using their hands. Um, so I would say look at your particular state and see if there are specific schools that provide additional training. There are some high schools that have these trades in, in the, the high schools as well. But most of the times there are some types of licensing that may be required to do these additional skills. It just depends on the state and the requirement. But it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, I, I know a lot of them that, of course, do a lot of repairs for themselves. So they're also saving on their, I'm sure your father did a lot of repairs around the home that the average person doesn't know how to do. So you, he was saving the family a lot of money. And he also knew what, um, what to expect when a repair was done, how much the cost should be. So there's some additional benefits and knowledge that a person with that skill set can bring to the table. And some of the training programs are 18 months, some are two years, it just depends. Some are four years, uh, some are connected with the trade, um, there's a trade union. So sometimes a trade union is also providing different types of training as well. Though there are those who, when they're building ships at the shipyard, those who are, are basically welding the ships together. And so there's welding as an opportunity. Um, there's, there's those who are, are working with dentists, um, they, dental hygienists, they get training, but they might not necessarily um, need a college degree to do that. So there are many opportunities out there. You have to do the research. 
Um, and the, you, you pose a good question. What if my child says, I don't want to go to college? You need to get all these other different types of exposures um, to them, give them opportunities, try to find people who are in those areas so maybe you can have a conversation with them um, and have your child be a part of the conversation. There, you know, There's limitless. There's uh, Again, I'm thinking about, and this is not a trade, <clears throat> but those who actually do x-rays when you go to the hospital, there's special training that you get for that, but they don't necessarily have to have a degree. I'm just, I'm an advocate for additional skill sets and training to do the kinds of things that you want to do. And there are a lot of free career tests online that you can take. Just go on Google and put in free career tests. There's a number of different career tests that you can take, as well as your counselor at your high school might have a free career test as well. So that's another way to gather some information on your child that you maybe didn't know what their interests were. Yeah, and that's important because as you said, we talked about earlier, as kids get older, you know, sometimes parents kind of come back and, and they're more hands off. And sometimes that makes sense because the kid is getting older, so they need to have some responsibility for themselves. But then sometimes there's a disconnect of, well, what is my child interested in at 15 years old? I don't really know right now. And wait a minute, they're going to be out of, out of high school soon. I need to make sure I'm on that path. And I have a cousin um, he does HVAC and he lives in DC. And so, and I, I talk to him all the time and he went to the air force and then he uh, ended up doing that skilled trade and, you know, he's really happy, has a good job. And I think people just forget about the fact like these, we need these things. I can, like you said, I can't go fix my fridge. I have no clue what to do. And I think about the fact that my dad helped build houses with his uncle he fixed, mm -hmm. I mean, he remodeled my parents' bathroom. He did it himself. He custom built things for his garden because he had the skills. But I was talking to my dad's friend after, after my dad had passed. I called his best friend. They had been friends since they were like five. And he said, you know, I knew uh, Jim was going to do something like this in his life. And I said, well, why did, you, why did you say that? And he said, your dad would draw pictures um, to figure out how to build things. So he told me this story about how my dad drew a trap and he ended up building the trap when he was like 10 years old to catch an animal. And he wow. said, I just didn't understand how all that was happening in your dad's head. And he said, mm -hmm. I observed this. So he said, when your dad ended up, you know, pursuing the skill trade where he looks at blueprints, he can draw blueprints. He saw that from when they were kids. And so I think it all goes back to the signs are there. We just have to intentionally look to see what our children are really, truly interested in. And then the other path you have, you may have a kid that, you know, I just want to enroll. Um, I just want to enlist into the military. What advice do you give to parents whose uh, children say, that's what I want to do. I want to be in the military. Okay. So I, again, I had this experience with my child and, um, there are, there are some programs that you can get engaged in while they're in high school so they can get a sense of what it's going to be like to be in the military and to follow someone's leadership and be accountable and to develop the discipline to go into the military. So I really recommend that, that if there's a program in, uh, in the area where your young person can have an early exposure to it, that will help them to make a decision as to whether that that's what they want to do. And actually, uh, you can earn, the child can earn some rank 
uh, with the military by participating in that program for over a year. My, my, um, my daughter actually earned some rank and went to college with that rank, but she just, um, they, she decided not to do it while she was in college. She did, um, her major was computer and electrical engineering, but it was an opportunity that was out there. Um, some of the other thing is with the military, if again, if you go to college, you can go straight into the military. That's one way. And you, there are training programs while you're in the military to give you a skill set. So they're paying for you to be trained while you're a part of it. It's something that you can come out of the military and use in a profession. Also in the military, you can now take classes and you can earn a degree while you're in the military. And, the, and many of the military officers are actually doing that. Um, you could be out at sea on a battleship and taking classes online. How, how awesome is that? And the military is paying for it. So you won't come out of college with debt because the military is actually paying for it. And it, I think it's a, a great opportunity uh, serving the country, becoming a leader. A leader. Um, there are many companies that want the military, um, those who've been in the military, to work for them because they recognize the discipline and the ability to, to, to lead and to organize and the plan that you develop as a person in the military. And you also learn how to get up early and start your, start your day with making things happen. And I think that that's a great exposure that you can have. And it's not just the Army. There's the Navy. There's the Air Force. There's a number of different aspects. And another thing that you can do, um, you can work for the military as a civilian. So there are offices that serve the military and individuals get jobs in those facilities. And they can do for 20, 30 years, uh, actually. Yeah, and I like how you said about, because you said like your daughter, you know, tried the program and then, you know, she had this rank, but she went ahead and pursued a, you know, a college degree. But it's, it's great that when students are younger, they can kind of figure these things out. They can try all these different opportunities. And so I think exposure is key because, you know, I think about when you're when kids are in kindergarten. What do you want to be when you grow up? Man? I want to be a nurse. I want to be a firefighter. You ask right. the kid that same question a few years later, it's something else. A few years yeah. later, it's something else. But in the meanwhile, if we're giving children those experiences, they get to figure out like, ooh, you know, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but I don't really like needles and I don't like to see blood. <laughs> or I thought I wanted to like work outside, but I don't really like being outside all day. So I don't think I want an outdoor job. And so it just gives kids the opportunity to really narrow down because the end goal is, you know, to be able to take care of yourself, be a productive citizen. And so mm -hmm. we just have to put these opportunities in place for our students to be able to figure out like, this is who I want to be. And I think one of the things I would mention that my husband did, my husband is a uh, senior database administrator for the state of Indiana, and he's um, the lead for the Oracle databases. So any state database that uses Oracle, he's the lead behind that. And he has taken our sons to his job so they can see what he does. And he says, you know, they may not want to do this, but at least up close and personal, they can see this is what dad does. This is how, and it's crazy because they're like, dad, what are all these code things? And, you know, 
my uh, husband's like, you know, you have to pay attention to math. I had to do a lot of math. I had to do a lot of science. And my kids have been to my job. They've seen me in action. So those experiences may tell our kids like, oh, I want to do what mom and dad do. Or like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do, yes, that's true. I mean, we forget like that go to uh, work with your parents day or, or go yeah. to work with someone's Days, those have faded away and I really think those should come back because mm -hmm. that was a quick that's just a quick way for you to see like I want to do this or I don't want to do this or to interact with a professional in the field to ask them questions like what do you do all day and am I interested in doing that all day and what did you have to take to get to this oh I don't really want to take those type of classes so this may not be for me so I think that's super important and so Dr. Jones, I want to give you an opportunity to share with us some of the resources that you have available. Um, and I'm going to put up his uh, his Twitter handle and his website where you can find some of this. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to share because I had I had Dr. Jones on here because I feel like he has a wealth of resources for families. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to share what those were. OK, excellent. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And thank you again for the, sh the sharing um, and, and perfect questions that you asked, because I, I think a lot of in, uh, parents who are listening to this really need to know these things and it really helps them as they're pursuing their goals. And I'll say to, you know, if you come to my website, you sign up, um, you'll be able to stay in, in communication with me to answer more questions, because there is a lot of questions, even with uh, those who already have going to college, both parents have gone to college, I've been answering tons of their questions as well. But anyway, um, I decided because I found a lot of students don't learn how to study. And, and I love the fact that you're an editor and you're you're engaged in writing your own books, um, that students that, that are in middle school and high school and even first year college didn't learn how to study. They may, they may have done well in their classes. So I decided to write a study skills book. And that looks like this. Uh, it's called Seven Secrets of How to Study. And it's on the website. Uh, every chapter has a student that earned A's in their classes to talk about how they did it. It goes over just how to take a test, how to uh, prepare for different types of papers and assignments. It gives you step by step what you should do to get ready for college. I have a ton of resources in this book. So I encourage you to get this for your middle school or high school, first year college student. Um, this is a book I wrote for the parents, and it's basically K through 12. What do I do as a parent? So starting from birth, what are the things that you should do? And then moving to elementary school, middle school, and high school. And every chapter has a parent that shares how they help their children to earn A's in their classes. Um, this is a scholarship book. And I just talked, uh, we talked earlier about there's $90 billion of scholarships that are available. Here's some steps on how you can find those scholarships. And I have over 100 scholarship websites in the back of the book. Um, and so this is a great resource to get you started. Let's say it's ninth grade right now. Those of you who have ninth graders or 10th graders right now, this is a book that you should get to get started in that process. Um, just two more. Um, one of my other roles in life is I'm an associate pastor. So I wrote this one. It's a workbook on how to study the Bible and how to use it and apply it to your life. I think that's the really important thing, not only to have it. And then my very newest book, this is hot off the presses is the 10 keys to a successful marriage. And this is for both engaged couples and married couples. And if you have a marriage ministry at your church and you provide materials for them, this is a great resource for them. If you have a counseling ministry, 
uh, this is great for them. Or if you as a couple should get this and kind of work on your marriage, um, it, it's, it incorporates my 34 years of experience um, as a married person. <laughs> so um, I try to make it, all the books, um, I'm just going to show real quick, I don't know if you'll see it or not, but um, they are easy reading. There's not a whole lot, there's things that you do, so it's easy reading. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. Thank you. And I do workshops, I do seminars, and, and just engage with schools as well. Well, I appreciate you sharing those books. So guys, definitely go to drjonesbooks.com to check out those books, especially those seven uh, secret to success for kids studying or how parents can help and definitely the scholarship. And I need to get that scholarship book because even though my sons are in fourth grade, like I want to start thinking about what are all the different scholarship sites out there? What are the things that a lot of times scholarships ask you to, you know, you're supposed to explain things you have done. Well, it's too late for the scholarship application to be like, oh, I should have been in a club. So it's even yeah. good to even see what's in the scholarship application. So you have an idea of what your kids should be involved in. So thank you so much for being on the show today. As a parent myself, I learned some things from you that I will definitely be sharing with my husband so we can get on top of it. And I, and I appreciate the thing that you said about even if you went to college, there's still things that you can learn to help your kids be successful because, you know, college is going to be different by the time my kids get there. There are things that are changed since I've gotten out of college um, back in 2006, uh, well, at least for the bachelor's. <laughs> I'm in a doctoral program right now. So after this, I told my husband I'm going to be done. And he's like, I don't think he believes me, but I am. After, after this, I'm going to be done. But I think it's a super important. So I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate the resources that you have shared. And parents, if you're listening or watching, please, please, please go to drjonesbooks.com and check out the resources. I think they'll be super helpful um, to help you um, and your children uh, pursue academic excellence. Until next time. Thank you.